0: Well, hello again. This is Buck Bendy speaking. It's 2017, and I thought I'd come on to just talk a little bit about our Judy Garland podcast and what's going to be going on here. So every Sunday, we're going to play Mindy introducing the Judy Garland podcast for the week. And It'll play every Sunday. I've been airing a lot of different Judy Garland shows and appearances just because I was just starting this new podcast, and I thought everybody would want to hear a lot of Judy. But Judy will be pretty much on once a week, Um, and it'll be, like I say, on these Sunday nights. Now, tonight's Sunday night show is the third of the series of chronological podcasts we have covering Judy Garland's appearances in old time radio. The first two I've already aired. The first one was the shell Chateau, uh, hour, I think it's called. And from 1935. And then from 1937, we played, uh, another show that she had appeared on. And then now we're going to play this show, which is 30 minutes in Hollywood that Judy was on. But I thought in, 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 getting ready for this show I bumped into an appearance that George Jessel who is on with Judy on this 1937 show I ran into an appearance that from YouTube that uh, is from Judy's own television show from years later where she and George Jessel sit down and are talking about how she got started with George Jessel and things that Mindy's going to cover in her uh, podcast, but it's neat to hear from the actual folks, from, from Judy Garland and George Jessel, how that all went. And as I was listening and watching this, I was thinking you could not do this in television today. Have somebody sit down with another person and just have a conversation in prime time. And it's, it's just kind of sad that we can't do that. It really honors George Jessel and she's really paying him back for getting her, helping her get her start in show business. And it's just delightful to hear this this interchange between them. So I'm going to play it here for you. But if you would like to see it, you can come to the Judy Garland podcast uh, page, and I've got a link there right to it that you can click and play it. Um, if you want to come to the Judy Garland page, of course, it is at um, Judy. Garland. Potomatic.com. And that'll take you right to our page and has, uh, like they say, that video and then some of my um, different podcasts we've had. We have pictures that go with them and so forth. But now to go over the rest of my schedule, I'll cover that and then we'll go right into the show. Enjoy today's performances. I've figured out the schedule for our Judy Garland and Friends OTR podcast. We are going to start each week with Sunday being Judy Garland's podcast, where we play, of course, Judy Garland chronologically through time. Then we're going to go with Monday Movies with Lux Radio Theater. Tuesdays will be Bing Crosby. Wednesday we're to spend... Orson Welles Wednesday with Orson Welles. To begin with, it'll be Orson Welles' uh, Les Mis, seven-part series that he did, sort of a mini-series, which is really cool. And then after that, it'll go right into his performances as The Shadow, with a lot of new performances being found of The Shadow in Orson Welles uh, in the last five years or so. It'll be fun to present. Then on Thursday, Command Performance. And on Friday, Friday Films with Screen Guild Theater. And then Suspense Saturday will round out the week. So it should be a lot of fun to listen to all of that. All of those shows will be different than what we play on the Jack Benny podcast. And, of course, Suspense is the only one that was on both. And it's going to be moving to just the Judy Garland and friends podcast. So I hope you're going to enjoy all of those shows as well. And to get to the Judy Garland podcast, it's now pretty easy to find. If you go to iTunes and just type in Judy Garland, it'll show up as the podcast. Uh, I think it'll show up as the first one now. And if you go in and search it on the web, um, Jack Benny, Jack Benny, Judy Garland, and Friends podcast, it should show up as well. So you should be able to find it anyway that you're trying to reach it. So, enjoy your week.
1: You know, Judy, this is the actually the first time that I've had a cup of tea since I was a Marine in the Boxer Rebellion in 1884. <laughs> <laughs> but renewing... <laughs> Renewing this association with you on your show, considering the fact that I feel like your father, Confessor, and a lot of people do know it, was in my book, so help me, that many years ago I met you. You were a tiny girl in Chicago. Do you remember? Yes, I, yes, I do remember. My goodness. You were so nice to me. Well, I was always nice to attractive young girls and, <laughs> and old men, too. So, but anyway, <laughs> I seem like an old man. No, you sing like a doll. Yeah. We were playing, I, I think you must remember, at the Oriental, Oriental Theater, Theater in Chicago. Chicago. My, I do how crowded the theater we are doing, six shows a day. That's right. And I remember you were a baby uh, with your family doing an act. The Gum Sisters. Yes. The Gum Sisters. A terrible
2: name.
1: Yes, it gum. was a bad name. Couldn't and uh, I was the sort of a big at the boss of the, the theater. You were And uh, they got rid of a lot of the acts. And uh, not that they were bad, but they got rid of them because we don't need it. You know, Josie, you talk so much and the people want to see you, which they did then. And uh, and one woman in Pittsburgh. And uh, <laughs> anyway. The manager said we're going to go. I said, No, I tell you what, you do. I said, I, you, you know, as young and full of pep, I'll stay on as long as you like. I said, But keep that little girl. Do you remember that?
2: Yes, I do. Keep remember. that little
1: girl. Let the rest of the people go. Not that they're not good, but let them go. And Chicago, of course, was one. Do you remember Chicago then? I remember
3: Chicago.
1: You remember no. what was going on then?
3: Well, look, a lot of people were shooting each oh,
1: other. Oh, shooting each other was nothing.
3: Was not Dillinger
1: killed? No. no, Dillinger was long after that. No, this... it was that time. Oh, that was Jesse James that I knew of. Oh, but seriously, I remember. I remember one thing happened while we were playing there. Uh, There was a very tough fellow there. And uh, he was a a fellow that was, like many of the so-called hooligans, was kind to his mother. And every Friday night, he'd go home where he lived on the Maxwell Summer Street, have dinner with his mama. You know? Shoot people in the morning. (laughs) Have dinner, then shoot some more, you know? Between meals. Between between (laughs) meals. And finally... This night, on Friday night, he came home in an armored car to see his mother for the usual Friday night dinner. And as he stepped out of the armored car, they shot him fully full of holes. And breathless and bleeding, he climbed up the stairs and locked on the mother's door. And she opened it. She said, Morris. He says, Mama, Mama, they got me. She says, first you'll eat, and then you'll tell me all about it. (laughs) No. Well, the cute thing was do you remember I told your mama Oh first you remember I introduced you you came yes, out alone yes. little baby girl mm-hmm. and I say to the Francis audience Gums, right. that's right Francis Gum Francis Gum. Francis mm-hmm. and uh, it Apple sounded Gums. epis Francis uh, E <laughs> gum <laughs> And it sounded like some funny little kid like with pigtails And you know, the audience used to giggle mm-hmm. and I told your mother I said gee, I don't like that name for this lovely warm little thing She ought not to have say so she's Miss Jessica. well she's just starting you know. Call her anything you like. <laughs> and,
2: uh,
1: <laughs> so you, you don't know this, but what happened was there was a great actress called Judith Anderson, and she was opening in a Broadway show that night. And I had Fili- a Filipino valet who dressed me. I'm now addressing him anyway. <laughs> and
2: uh, <laughs> he,
1: he said, he, and he called down from the balcony and said, Mr. Jesse, uh, don't forget to send a telegram to uh, Judith Anderson, she opened a new show, and I called from down a very flowery telegram. Dear Judith, may tonight add another rose to the garland of successes that adorn your great to something. And then I walked on, <laughs> and I said, "And now, ladies and gentlemen, a little girl destined to go very far in the show business, Judith Garland." And I said, "That's you, honey," yeah. and she came up.
4: That's
1: right. That's under. <laughs>
2: Tea? Nah. No. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> this is scenery for me, that's all. But oh, well, I remember one thing. Can I have some tea? Sure, have right, some if you like. straight here. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'll have some with you. Um, will you taste the fruit? Mmm. This is delicious with beer, I'd like to have <laughs> and, uh, So then, then, uh, I said, and now little Miss Garland uh, will sing, and I lifted you up on the piano. First I set you on my knee, which I would like to do again now. uh, Now I set you up up on the piano, and you sang a song. I wonder if you remember, because this was a song that should have been sung by a woman who was with a broken heart, and a woman much more matured. And here were you, little Judy, ten I think you were, and you sang the song. Do you remember the song? My Bill? My Bill. Yeah. Sing a few bars of my bill. Yeah? Yeah. I'll make out like I'm putting you on the... Okay. I... Oh. Go ahead.
2: He's just my bill, an ordinary boy. He hasn't got a thing that I can brag about. And yet to be upon his knee... So comfy and roomy
1: seems natural to me. Listen, now you sang. You, you remember right. my mother. Wasn't that lovely? Like I that. I no, it was you, not me. All right. That's right. I had, I had just introduced the song. I took you off the piano. Sent you, sent you back to mama. Your mama got a new name. And then I said, uh, here's a song of mine, which I it was in a movie. That Please, I you do for me? All right. That was uh, this one. One bright and guiding light That was me for pride, I found in my mother's eyes Those baby tales she told That road all paved with gold I found in my mother's eyes Just like a wandering sparrow, one lonely soul, I walk the straight and narrow just to reach my goal. God's gifts and from above, that one real unselfish love, I found in my mind.
5: Here's a five-foot-two package from home, Judy Garland.
2: Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year all our troubles will be out of sight.
6: everybody this is Mindy thanks for tuning in to another episode of old-time radio next in our Judy Garland series is her appearance on 30 minutes in Hollywood on October 24th 1937 30 minutes in Hollywood was a short-lived program It was somewhat of a variety act kind of show, and I couldn't find a whole lot of information on it, honestly. But what made this appearance interesting was knowing the backstory that led up to her appearance. And in 1934, the host of the show, George Jessel, was touring the country with his musical act and... George ended up being a famous actor, and he was also a singer and a movie producer. And then he had his personal life, which was always ripe for scandal <laughs> and headlines of the day, including, or maybe especially because of his wife, Norma Talmadge and their relationship and how it developed. It was a huge thing. And she's a guest on the show. You can read about his life on your own time. <laughs> it's too, too much to get into, but definitely uh, give him a look up if you're so inclined to read that kind of thing. Anyway, but during uh, 1934, his opening act dropped out. And it was in a city that happened to have proximity to Judy and her sisters and her mother, who was acting as their manager. And uh, they called up Judy's mother and said, you know, we have this opening. We know your girls are good. Bring them down. And so they started touring with George Jessel and at the time still using their given surname of Gum. And so he would introduce them as the Gum Sisters, you know, some kind of emphasis on that. Kind of clunky name of theirs, and he would draw a reaction from the crowd. And apparently, on the third night that they were all together, he introduced them as the Garland Sisters and so there are multiple theories as to where he got the name garland the three choices that seem to be the most credible are a drama critic and friend robert garland was somebody he spoke to that morning and the name was fresh in his mind option b he kept referring to them as being as pretty as a garland of flowers option c at the time there was a movie called 20th century in which an actress changes her name from Lily Plotka to Lily Garland. And it was kind of in everybody's collective knowledge at that point. As with all multiple choices, if you don't really know the answer, just go with B. Because for me, that's the pretty story. That's the sweet story. <laughs> they were as pretty as a garland of flowers. So that's the version I'm going with. You can pick your own. And Judy changed her name from Frances to Judy because she thought the name sounded peppy. So... That much sounds completely plausible. <laughs> uh, and George Jessel actually was instrumental in getting them to focus more on Judy versus the trio itself, which was kind of the obvious choice. He said she was such a small person with such a big presence, a big voice. And so it kind of started to be instead of a trio, more like her sisters doing a duo And then she coming out as a solo act. And by the time 1937 rolls around, she's already signed on with MGM, but she's not doing a lot. And that's completely MGMs, not knowing exactly what to do with her. But in this one, she's singing kind of a revamped version of You Made Me Love You, I Didn't Want to Do It. Her mentor at the time, Roger Edens, wrote additional lyrics to make it about a teenager's crush on Clark Gable. And I can see why. (laughs) (laughs) very handsome and charming. So it became a huge hit because she was so effective in her musical abilities, also with having this wistful puppy love personality attached and interwoven into the song. So it became a calling card of sorts really early in her career. And she, the MGM executives actually had her sing that version to Clark Gable at a birthday party they threw for him. And everyone was so charmed that they decided to include it in their upcoming film, Broadway Melody of 1938. This movie wasn't anything that became huge, but it was the first time that critics really got a look at her, and audiences did as well, and there was a huge positive reaction. Who's this Judy Garland kid? They've had her for months. Why isn't she in more movies? And so this was kind of the song that galvanized her career, and she actually got pigeonholed a bit early on playing these sweet teenage roles and it started to vex her later on in her career but she eventually pushed for and and received bigger meatier roles but again all of the backstory is what makes this interesting and I hope the information helps you appreciate what you're about to listen to a little bit more so enjoy Folks, I'm getting to that mellow age where I'm not taking pride in what I do, but in what
5: I've done. And one of the things that I'm most proud of in my many years of the amusement business was the discovery of a little girl who was considered by picture fans throughout the world as one of the greatest singer of popular songs that there is. She's still in her teens, and yet, one of Metro-Goldwyn's biggest stars. You've seen her in Broadway Melody, you hear her now, singing Oh, Mr. Gable, Miss Judy Garland.
2: I am writing this to you, and I hope that you will read it so you know. My heart beats like a hammer,
3: and I stutter and
2: I stammer every time I see at the I guess I'm just another family, and I thought I'd write. And tell you so oh, oh, oh. You made me love you Didn't wanna do it. I didn't wanna do it. You made me love you And all the time you knew it I guess you always knew it
6: You made
2: me you Happy sometimes. You made me glad. But there were times, sir. You made me feel sad. You made me cry. I didn't want to tell you. I didn't want to tell The very mention of your name Sends my heart
7: reeling You love know you made me love you I, see, Mr. Gable. I don't want to bother you But you've got a lot of girls That tell you the same thing And if you don't want to read this one, You don't have to I just had to tell you about the time I saw you and it happened one night. That was the first time I ever saw you. I knew right then you were the nicest fellow in the movie. It just was because you had so. it was so natural like. Not like a real actor at all, but just like any fellow you'd meet at school or at a party. And then one time I saw you in a picture with Joan Crawford. And I had to cry a little. 'Cause you loved her so much, and you couldn't have her. Well, not till the end of the picture anyway. And then one time I saw you in person. You were going to the Coconut Grove one night, and I was standing there when you got out of your car and you almost knocked me down. Oh, but it wasn't your fault. Oh, I was in the way. But you looked at me and you smiled. Yeah, you smiled right at me as if you met it and I cried all the way home just because you smiled at me for so being in your way. Oh, I'll never forget it, Mr. Davis. Honest Jimbo. You're my favorite
2: actor. I don't care what happens. Let the whole world stop.
8: Raffers and Trattler presents 30 Minutes in Hollywood, starring George Dessel. 30 Minutes in Hollywood, starring George Dessel as another appearance of Miss Norma Talman who will be interviewed by Howard Greer, one of Hollywood's outstanding fashion creators. The cast includes Dorothy Montgomery, Amy Arnell, Tommy Tucker, and his orchestra, Little Josephine Star, and the visit of two important guest stars: MGM's great young singing star Judy Garland, and the famous big fell and motion picture comedian of Wheeler and Willsey, Bert Wheeler. Tommy Tucker and his orchestra opened George Jessel's office in Hollywood with "Laugh Your Way Through Life" from "Alabama Goes to Town."
7: In Hollywood, Miss Miss Sophie Talking.
5: Just a minute. I'll see if I can get him for you. Oh, for Philadelphia. Thank you, thank you. Hello? Yes, Mom, this is yours. Yes, Mother. I, j- I just got in. Oh, did you move into that new California bungalow I bought you? Oh, you did. Well, how do you like it? It's pretty damp, huh? Well, that's funny. You. You, you wish it had a roof? But oh, wait, Mama. No, you're not in the bungalow. You're in the swimming pool. Yeah, the little building to the left. That's the bungalow. Oh, you tried that already? Well, how do you like it? It's a little tight through the shoulders. Yeah, well, all right. Look, I'll call you back later. Yeah, or oh, you call me back. I'm on the air now. Call me back at the end of the breadcast. The breadcast. yes.
2: You said breadcast instead of broadcast.
5: To you it may be broadcast, to me it's bread. Don't worry yourself. Bread and olio margarine. But I want to start this program with something I know you folks are anxious to hear about, particularly here, you football fans in California. And the game is when UCLA and Minnesota, it's nearly over in California is winning. Why, Mr. Gessel, that game isn't until
2: December.
7: I know,
5: but it's a good way to start the program, <laughs> keeps the people clapped up, you know? Folks, you have no idea how hard it is to arrange a radio program. Really, it's it. Well, why don't
7: you say something about the Chinese winning the
5: war? My child, it's not up to a radio comedian to take sides or be partisan and anything like that. But don't you worry about the Chinese. If they stiffen their defenses like they've been doing to my shirt, they're going to be all right. Don't worry, about <laughs> people doing here in my office, or is this a shortcut to the smoking room? What's going on here? Oh,
2: that's Tommy Tupper and his band. They're
8: waiting to see you. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, Mr. Jessel.
5: Yes, Tommy? My boys haven't tasted food in four days. Tell them not to worry. It still tastes the same. There's nothing to worry about. (laughs) They said they wouldn't forget half of what you owe them. What do you say? All right, I'll forget the other half and not make this even. Now you see? Come in, come in.
9: Yeah, I'd like to
5: know when you all want me to sing my song this week. Well, A.M. Arnell, shut my brow and fan my windows. <laughs> if you don't talk more like Stephen Pocket every day, really, you do. What a busy place. Come in, come in.
8: There, are you gentle? Yes. You your tall man out there double jointed? No. Then I broke his <laughs> leg. A nice
5: kid say, "Who are you?
8: I came here to deliver this picture to you."
5: Say, Darcy, doesn't this gentleman talk like Nicholas Murray Butler? He's so different. Ah, uh,
8: Butler, Butler, as long as you're healthy.
5: Oh, a monkey came in the office.
8: Hey, listen, I brought you this beautiful picture of a reindeer. COD, four bucks.
5: Well, I can't pay you today.
8: I know, I know, NSF, hey, that.
4: not sufficient funds.
5: How do you know? <laughs> I was here last week. You see, I couldn't get a ticket to the Jack Benny Broadcast. Oh, get out of here.
2: Now, this really
5: is a beautiful picture. It is a lovely dear. Miss McDopey, where are you?
2: Here I am, sitting on your knees.
5: Oh, yes. This is a fine office. Miss McDopey, I want you to hang this picture over my desk. My
2: goodness. What in the world is that?
7: Well, what
4: do it look like, Amy? Well, it looks
7: like a horse with a tree growing
4: on its head. No, that ain't
5: no horse with a tree growing on its head. Miss McDopey, you know what that is.
7: Yes, yeah,
5: Joe Brown in some kind of makeup. It isn't any
7: such thing. Well, what is it? No,
5: Dorothy, you know what that is. Now, think. What does your mother call your
7: Daddy? <laughs> don't tell me that's an
2: imbecile. <laughs>
5: I'm not going to tell you anything. Is there anybody in my office that can do my program some good? Yes, Mr. Gessel.
2: Our little Cindy
5: is outside. Well, don't keep a little child like they're waiting outside. Send her in. And here she is, ladies and gentlemen, our little Gallagher. Seven and a half years and two weeks old today, and I'm happy to present a little Josephine stop. Tell me, Josephine. On our opening program, you sang in Italian. Last week, you sang in French. How many foreign languages do you sing in? Five. Isn't that wonderful? Just imagine. Child, when you grow up, you'll be able to keep the secret in five different languages. Tell me, what are you singing tonight, dear?
7: Le Sia de Cadiz.
5: The Maze of Cadiz. That's in French, isn't it? Oh, est-ce que je vous quart de si les gens l'a partie de est Est-ce que à la carte si
2: No
8: well be called the heart of the home. It's the most used piece of equipment in the home. Isn't it logical that this most important piece of home equipment should be the best? The new Gaffers and Sattler automatic gas range offers many leisure hours for the overworked housewife. This leisure time may be devoted to social functions or much needed recreation, with the assurance that her meal will be properly and perfectly cooked without all the drudgery of an old-time obsolete stove. In business, the man is supplied with modern tools, enabling him to do his work well. Why not also supply the housewife with modern equipment so as to make her job easier and her cooking better? The housewives of California have, by their past preference, made the gaffers and sattler gas range California's favorites. See these marvelous gas ranges at your nearest Gaffers and Sattler dealer tomorrow.
5: Program 30 Minutes in Hollywood. Only in response to your many kind letters and telegrams as the glamorous actress who conducts this stage consented to another appearance. It is our wish that she become a permanent member of 30 Minutes in Hollywood so that from time to time, if she wishes, she may again bring us some great moments from motion picture successes, which you, our listeners, have requested. I am proud to present my wife, the lovely Norma Talmadge. <laughs>
3: Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you, George. Normie, you seem to
5: enjoy being on the program every week, don't you?
3: It isn't that so much. At least I know where you are.
5: <laughs> what did I do again? Look, uh, Alani, uh, the gentleman who's going to interview you tells me that this year the dresses are going to be short again.
3: That's right.
5: And are you going to change with the styles? I
3: certainly am. Uh-huh.
5: That means this year's husbands will be short again, too, I suppose, eh? It, it won't be any novelty for
3: you, dear.
5: <laughs> That wasn't the lovely Norma Talmadge speaking That was Mrs. Jessel But look I I can't understand you girls One minute your dresses are so long You gotta hold them up to keep them getting muddy The next minute they're so short You you gotta hold them down to keep them knocking your hats off (laughs) But now, folks, you are now I'm gonna fix a scene for you You are now in the smartest fashion shop in Hollywood And the proprietor, that fabulous old dressmaker The man who is now designing Catherine Hepburn's gown For her next film is here I want you to meet him, one of Hollywood's smartest fashion creators, Mr. Howard Greer.
4: (laughs) Ah, good afternoon, Miss Talmud, and what's on your mind today?
3: Clothes and more clothes.
4: Fine. Now that you've seen the entire collection, just what, if any, of the little numbers do you feel you positively can't live without?
3: Well, I've been flirting with that black wool, the one with the red and white candy stripes. Why
4: flirt with it? Why not have it?
3: With all those stripes running around me... I'd be afraid.
4: Nonsense. There's no reason to be frightened. Horizontal stripes won't make you any larger than vertical ones if they're used the right way. Now, you couldn't find a trimmer, slimmer silhouette than this skirt has with the inverted sleeve in the center front? Hmm.
3: The bodice I could wear. After all, the stripes run up and down there, and, of course, the pockets cut on the horizontal help help break up the line. Yes, now I ponder over it. I don't mind the sleeves either. They're square at the shoulder, and having a three-quarter length is an advantage.
4: I'll say it is. In a sleeve like that, you will never tip an ace when you deal a bridge hand, or drag your cut from somebody's salad dressing when you reach for another roll.
3: And I don't mind the neck being cut round and close to the throat. In a pinch, there's a zipper, and I could always make a V with it.
4: Well, I'm glad you're beginning to see the light, Miss Talmy. Then you'll take this right dress.
3: No, I'll take the plain black one. The plain black
4: one? But you had a plain black one last year, and the year before that, and the year before that.
3: Mister Greer, I know what I want.
4: Then you know more than most women do. They usually argue themselves out of the very thing they want. Now, this striped dress. I'll
3: still take the plain black. Ah, you
4: women. Well, there's one thing I learned before I was knee-high to a basin, and that is the customer is always right. But, dear Miss Talmadge, just why won't you take the striped dress?
3: I'll tell you why. Clothes with stripes always remind me of Mr. Jessel's relatives. Thank you, Mr. Baird. Thank you, ladies.
5: I'm getting to that mellow age where I'm not taking pride in what I do, but in what I've done. And one of the things that I'm most proud of in my many years of the amusement business was the discovery of a little girl who was considered by picture fans throughout the world as one of the greatest singer of popular songs that there is. She's still in her teens, and yet, what a Metro-Goldwyn's biggest star. You've seen her on Broadway Melody, you hear her now, singing, oh, Mr. Gable, Miss Judy Garland.
2: I'm writing this to you And I hope that you'll read it So you know My heart beats like a hammer
3: And I stutter and I
2: stammer Every time I see At the picture I guess I'm just Another salmon And I thought I'd write And tell you Oh, 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 you made me love you Didn't want to do it, I didn't want to do it You made me love you And all the time you knew it I guess you always knew it You made me happy You made me glad But there was The very mention of your name
7: Since my heart reeling really, You
6: know you made me love you Hi, Mr.
7: Gable. I don't want to bother you You've got a lot of girls that tell you the same thing And if you don't want to read this world You don't have to I just had to tell you about the time I saw you, and it happened one night. That was the first time I ever saw you. I knew right then you were the nicest fellow in the movie. It just was because you had so, It so naturalized. Not like a real actor at all, but just like any fellow you'd meet at school or at a party. And then one time I saw you in a picture with Joan Cawkey. And I had to cry a little. Because you loved her so much, and you couldn't have her. Well, not till the end of the picture, anyway. And then one time I saw you in person. You were going to the Coconut Grove one night, and I was standing there when you got out of your car, and you almost knocked me down. Oh, could it wasn't your fault. Well, I was in the way. But you looked at me, and you smiled. Yeah, you smiled right at me as if you met it And I cried all the way home just because you smiled at me, so in the way. Never forget it, Mr. Davis. Honus Chambers, you're my favorite actor.
2: I don't care what happens. Let the whole world stop.
5: A man whom you know as a great comic, I know him as a great comic and a grand fellow, the famous and motion picture comedian, half of the Wheeler
8: and Woolsey team, Bert Wheeler.
9: Well, uh, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, members, members of the orchestra, the program boys, the janitor, and as assistants. The attendants in the smoking room and you, Georgie Porgy. Mm. What's the idea of that? Well, every one in the order of their importance. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Say, George, yeah. I've been a little late. I just got in. Uh, how's the program been
5: going? Fine, up to now. Mm-hmm.
9: Well, I'll stop that.
5: Oh, you're <laughs> I want to ask you something. How was your last picture? was our last picture mm-hmm. George, at the preview you could hear them laughing clear across the street What was
2: playing over
9: there? Uh-huh it's The Marx Brothers Oh, yeah. But see, George I've got a sense of humor I don't mind you kidding. That's just a twist on an old gag. Well,
5: Bert, what's wrong with an old gag? Say, listen, this is a new generation. Besides, Mark Twain once said there are only 11 original jokes in the world.
9: Yeah, and you've been telling the same 11 ever since I've known you. Is that, you? that so? Is well, sure? now, look,
5: I'm going to show you something. Every gag is practically the same. All you do is put a different twist on it. Uh-huh. For instance, where does the joke start from? How is it brought up to date? I'll demonstrate. With this demonstration this evening, I'll someone to assist me, anyone at all. All you, have, all you have to have is the intelligence of a child of six years old. Bert, I wonder if you would help me out. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I knew you were going
9: to say it. I'll be glad to help you. And I want to thank you for that big bill
5: that you just gave me. Oh, I do that to all the gags. I know right, you do, yeah. but
9: I'll try and answer all the questions. If I can't do that,
5: I'll take a fall. Don't worry about me, John. All, right. all right. Here it is, the demonstration of the gag. This gag was first used in the days of the cliff dwellers. A woman has five children and only four apples. She wants to divide the four apples equally among the five children. How does she do it? Answer, Mr. Wheeler. She makes applesauce. See, I know all those. That's exactly right. Yeah, I know it's right. That's out of your last picture. Now, here's the same gag. Here is the same gag used last week by a very prominent comedian with a switch. Hillbilly has five children and only four potatoes. How does he divide them equally? I know that, too. He makes mashed potatoes. No, 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 no. He shoots one of the children. You see what I mean? Yeah, That's the evolution of the old gag. Now, Bert, you certainly remember the insult joke. Oh, the first insult joke? Sure. Why, that was used on Noah's Ark. Bert, don't tell me you played there. (laughs) No, no, that was Wolfie. Is that so? He'll be on here in a couple of weeks. He'll fix you good, I guarantee you. Anyway, the insult joke. When Noah presented his wife with a beautiful fur coat, what did she say? Who would ever think
8: that you could get such a beautiful coat from a skunk?
3: That's right. That's right. That's, That's right. right. I
9: know it's right.
2: Yeah. Now here's. it been the right same... for 20 years. <laughs> here's the same day. With a modern
5: twist. I only heard this at a bottom of the, of the other day. Here it is. Yeah. You and I are having dinner at my house. The dinner is over. Well, Bert, how did you enjoy it? The roast ham was delicious. Who would think that I could get such a wonderful dinner from a pig? <laughs> <laughs> That's that wasn't a gag demonstration, I'd resent that pig business, you know?
2: <laughs> ah, George, you
9: shouldn't get mad at that. Could never happen in your house.
2: <laughs> All right.
5: Exhibit three, the old rhyming jingle gag. This was originated in the time of the ancient Greeks and in consecutive use from Aristotle down to park your Corkins. And if that isn't going down, you're crazy. Here it is. There was a little girl. Her name was Nellie. You go on from there, Mr. Wheeler. There was a little girl. Her name was Nellie. She stood in the water up to her knees. That don't rhyme, Mr. Wheeler. It don't, it don't rhyme. Well, the water wasn't deep enough. That's the idea. Same old jingle, modernized, used in a big motion picture success this season. You take it, Bert. There was a little girl, her name was Nellie. She stood in the water up to her knees. It still doesn't rhyme. I know it, but wait till the tide comes in. That's the new switch. That's the new switch. Exhibit four, the old double-cross Scotchman stingy topper joke. The scene is in Scotland at a doctor's office. Bert, you be Dr. McWheeler. You understand? That's the Scotchman? Okay? And, Dorothy, you play the part of Dr. McWheeler's nurse. We'll do it with a modern finish. Dorothy, come here. You're familiar with Scott? Oh, with give your ale. I... Never mind about that. Now, you're the nurse. Here we are in the doctor's office. Yes. Go right ahead. Good morning, sir. Hi. Good morning, my lass. Uh, is Dr. McWheeler in? Hi. Hi. Uh, Have
2: you got an appointment? I don't know what
5: I've got. I said I want to come to see the doctor and find out.
2: Mm. <laughs> Aye. aye. Aye, here comes
9: the doctor now. Ah. Uh, good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, doctor. Uh, what
5: seems to be the trouble? Well, I come to you because you were recommended to me by Stanley Lefkowitz.
9: Aye, a likely,
3: likely
2: night. Aye. aye. Yes, I said, is a likely A night. likely aye. aye, 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 aye. aye, 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 aye. aye. aye.
5: Uh, doctor, uh, I've been wanting to ask you, yeah. what do you charge for a
9: visit? Well, no, I charge $10 for the first visit, Aye. $5 for the second visit, Aye. and the third visit is free. Aye, that's very good. Well, Doctor,
5: here I am again for the third time.
9: Aye, uh, take the same medicine I gave you the last time. Aye.
2: <laughs>
8: Even in sunny California, the winter evenings do get a little cold, and in the early morning there's nothing quite so unpleasant as a chilly chilly room. To overcome this discomfort, why not get a Gaffers and Sattler circulating gas heater? They are built in California especially for California climatic conditions in a variety of sizes to meet every heat condition, from a single room to heating the entire house. These heaters are beautiful in design. They're finished in durable porcelain enamel and are trimmed in triple-plated chromium finish. This finish ensures that like-new appearance for many years. They're decorative in design and will fit into almost any decorative scheme. These heaters may now be purchased at a price so low that every man owes it to himself and his family to see that this winter his house is properly heated. See your nearest Gaffers and Sattler dealer tomorrow for a demonstration of these marvelous heating appliances. There are no finer. And behind each one is the guarantee of Gaffers and Sattler, California's leading manufacturer of gas appliances.
5: Would you like the show? Oh, you did? Well, that's swell. Well, how do you feel? Oh, you went to the doctor. Well, what did he say? You don't chew your food enough? Well, he's right. What did nature give you teeth for? She didn't give them to you? You bought them? I did. But look, I want to know about that trip you made to all the historical places around the country. Tell me all about it. You did? Did you stop off at Yorktown? Oh, yes. That's a very historical place. Mother, did you see the spot where General Cornwallis fell? You did? They should fix it. You tripped there, too. Well, <laughs> hey, Say, how is Anna? How is my lovely sister? Oh, she's... The fella is there, huh? He just dropped in for a bite. Eleven years already. He's just dropping in for a bite. What's going to be with it? Who? Sammy Tucker? No, no, no. It's not Sammy. It's Tommy. I should ask him to come up for dinner sometime. Well, you you bet I will. No, he, he wouldn't be like the others I brought up. No, 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 no. He's not going to take any spoons. No, 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 no. No, Mama, the union don't let him do that anymore, no. Well, look, honey, you got to sign off now, but be sure to listen to next week at the same time. Who? Mrs. Sniffendover? She wants, I should hear her husband yodel. Look, my tell it, she has no idea how hard it is to arrange a radio program, will you? All right, good night, Mom. Good night, everybody.
8: George Dethel, Norma Talmadge guest stylist Howard Greer, noted Hollywood fashion creator, Tommy Tucker and his orchestra, Dorothy McNulty, and the few famous personalities, the great MGM star Judy Garland and the Ziegfeld and motion picture comedian Burt Wheeler, have come to you in 30 Minutes in Hollywood. Next week, George Jessel will present at his guests through the courtesy of Warner Brothers Pictures, Glenda Farrell and Barton McLean, in a scene now in the making from the popular Torchy Blaine series, brought to you direct from Hollywood. Through facilities of the Don Lee Network. 30 Minutes in Hollywood, starring George Jessel, has been a presentation of Gaffers and Saturn. Heard on this program were the selections Who Knows from Rosalie, Roses in December from Life of the Party, that Old Feeling from Vogues of 1938, and old oh, Mr. Gable from Broadway Melody of 1938. Next week, an added surprise: 30 Minutes in Hollywood presents Ted Healy's three super stooges.